Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from the U.S. Coins and Jewelry Studios in Houston, Texas, the Duncan Brothers, Kenny and Matthew proudly present the most valuable audio you'll ever hear. It's time for the Coin Shop Podcast. All right, guys. We have absolute awesome, awesome show lined up today. I'm so stoked. I can barely sit down in my chair. I want to run around screaming at the top of my lungs, and I'm not going to. But I want to introduce to you guys someone who has not only been a friend for a long time, but has amassed an amazing career in all things collectibles. He was former president of PCGS and now founder of Standard Gaming. He's the one and only Brett Charville, and he's with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. This is awesome. Love being in the bunker here. Yeah, dude, we have... um, We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, just um, how this whole thing was going to flow and um, just kind of catching up because it's been a while since we've, you know, there's been a few texts here and there over the years, but, you know, nothing, um, just kind of checking in. Yeah, hey, making up for lost time. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. You got a heartbeat? Yeah, I got a heartbeat. Okay, good, good. I'm glad everybody's okay. Um, so, but now he's here live in the building, flew in from L.A. today. Um, so we appreciate that. Obviously, flew from Columbus today. Yeah, Columbus. Okay, Columbus, LA, Paris, of the Midwest. You know, kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember I was at a Long Beach Coin Show, and 2007. Brett, yeah. yeah, 2007. Um, uh, Ryan Fisher and I were. I think it was like a Friday. Like everybody was like ready to go home. And you were uh, you were hitting the floor looking for coins, and you came over and and looked at boxes, and we introduced our, each other. I I didn't know you at the time, obviously, so we we introduced each our, ourselves, and um, you looked at coins, and we sat there, and um, Ryan just we were bored, so we just sat there and talked and BS for probably an hour. You probably bought some stuff, and that was the first time I ever met you. Um, and man, what a career you have built since then. Um, you know, you spent your time at Heritage and, you know, basically got to a point to where you made the decision. Um, well, I guess maybe you tell me the decision, you, your next step. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so to back up a little bit, yeah, I started, uh, 2005 Heritage intern. It's 20 years old. It was like the, the best opportunity in my life. Um, you know, to be able to basically get paid $10 an hour in free housing, uh, in Dallas was like an absolute dream. I was going to college in Ohio at the time and, uh, Miami, went down there, baby. Miami of Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, just totally, you know, got enthralled with it and gross engrossed with it. And I like to tell people, you know, I'm passionate about all collectibles, right? They put me in the coin department, which is the biggest department at Heritage still is. And, you know, if they would have put me into comic books or sports cards or art or movie posters, I, I probably would have done that for the last 15 years. And so I uh, worked at Heritage, interned a couple summers, came back full-time, did that a couple years ago, ended up working for a company called Carter Numismatics for a couple years up in Tulsa. 2012, branched out on my own, started a company called Standard Numismatics, wholesale, you know, buy you, and sell. Yeah. Let me stop you real quick. Where did you learn? So, I mean... Everybody knows you have an eye for coins, right? I mean, it's no secret. Um, where did that develop, and 
give me a little bit. I mean, I don't need the entire, you know, you know, I don't need a litany of, I just want an idea of where you learned that you were seeing things that other people weren't, or you were catching some people's mistakes. Tell me when that started and how that started. And maybe, you know, maybe who taught I mean, Did you have a mentor or? Yeah, totally. And uh, so uh, I grew up, I collected everything when I was a kid. Coins, probably probably the most, probably after that, probably comics and video games. And uh, there, there was a, a tiny little, tiny little coin shop in Sandusky, Ohio, where I'm from. Nothing like the bunker that we're in right now, right? Nothing like the International Galactic World Headquarters of, of U.S. coins and jewelry, right? And, uh, you know, th- they didn't even have any gold coins. And I remember because, you know, I was thinking about you guys. I was thinking about this this morning, kind of telling this story and that you guys growing up in this environment, I mean, you guys were probably sorting 20s when you were kids, right? I didn't hold a gold coin in my hand until I was 20 as a heritage intern. Wow. Yeah. And so I think because of that, right, like I just took off like a rocket. I was allowed to work overtime. They let me do shows. They let me, you know, work weekends, everything. Um, there was a great library that I think I was probably the only person other than, a, you know, other than an auction cataloger, you know, using this library and like taking books home and just reading and just full, you know, it's fun because when we talk about when we talk about video games that I've only been in video games for a couple of years, but I, I see myself doing that now, just being, you know, fully engrossed. And there's so much to learn, so many varieties, all sorts of stuff. It's really, really just enthralling overall. And uh, yeah, but so, you know, getting in, you know, full time at Heritage um, got under, you know, kind of, uh, you know, really kind of under, you know, Ryan Carroll, a little bit less Jim, Jim Halperin at Heritage, really kind of under the right people. Jason Carter at Carter Numismatics, obviously, is one of the probably one of the greatest. I mean, Ryan Carroll and Jason Carter are probably two of the ten best coin graders of all time. And to be underneath them, um, then afterwards, um, as I went on my own, Standard Numismatics in Chicago, uh, John Albanese became a pretty big mentor. I mean, really, it was kind of like like lightning struck three times in terms of who the big mentors in my life were. And I think Not you a know, bad three. yeah. And I think I think advice uh, for younger people in the space. Um, I always, I, I taught coin camp for five summers at the American Numismatic Association, intermediate and beginner grading and stuff. And what I'd always tell people is, you know, finding mentors in, in any collectible hobby is massive. There's so much knowledge in this hobby, right? That just is in people's heads yeah. and it doesn't get put down onto paper and, you know, asking the right questions, knowing when to be quiet, which you guys know me, it can be a problem sometimes, right? And, uh, but I mean, asking the right questions, I think kind of, you know, adding value to your mentors, right? You know, if, uh, you know, if there's a local coin shop that you're going to, um, do business with them. Don't just come and ask questions and take it all, then find what you want on eBay or something like that. Like, like do business with them, sort of, you know, develop that relationship where they see you as a a trading partner or a peer, you know, as you, as you rise up, um, in the business. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so 2012 branched out of my own, moved to Chicago. Yeah, that's we just talked about that that last that our last episode. Okay, remember? Yeah, and that's to visit the local coin shop because I mean, not only are they going to, not only are they going to, they're they're going to give you the best deal, but they're also going to give you a buyback of some sorts if something mm-hmm. happens, or you know, make you know, maybe you decide down the line that this hobby is just not for you. Yeah, um, you know. There's no loyalty in a, in some situations if you buy a coin, say like you buy one from Heritage and you pay too much and you know you're kind of left to the mercy of the market. Um, if you come into my shop, um, we offer a 
you know, a, thir- um, a one-year 10% buyback guarantee on any numismatic coin that's not gold or bullion related. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, a 10% out in any hobby. Eh, I, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. not very many hobbies I've ever been introduced to. That I've never be. even heard of that at a coin shop before, yeah. honestly. No, we've been doing it yeah. kind of quietly. We don't like blow it out there, but that's just something that we've we've always done. I say always. In the last 10 years since Matthew and I took it over, um, we do a 10% buyback. Um, so it just instills number one, Hey, we believe in our product enough to where we feel like we can work on this margin. B, this is something that we believe in that we think is going to grow. Sure. Right. And you know, C it's just do business local, find somebody that you like, even if it's not us, you know, maybe if it's, you know, someone down the street or, you know, yeah, I, to that point, I would even take a step back and say, if you have a good coin shop that's local to you, you're already like luckier than you realize. Yeah. Like growing up in North Central Ohio, there wasn't a coin club. Yeah. There, you know, the, the, the coin shop, God bless the guy, was, uh, you know, eight Mercury dimes, three Morgan dollars, and eight guns, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, if you, just, if you just have a good shop by you, like, uh, uh, what an opportunity there, you know, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you were going on to your next phase. I stopped you. I'm sorry. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Um. So started a company, Standard Numismatics, in 2012 in Chicago. Um. Uh. Yeah. Great. Just wholesale, uh, rare coin business, buy and sell. Ended up doing. Uh. We were talking about this before the show. I think we're we're probably over 10 million dollars in lifetime two way business with with you guys. Just tons of business with you guys. Um. Always had a great relationship with you guys. I think there's a lot of parallels in the way we do business. Right. We were kind of touching on this earlier. We were just talking about coin shops and that, you know, you guys, U.S. Coins and Jewelry, I mean, you guys have such a a deep bench and so much numismatic skill here and uh, the right people here. And you guys kind of have this opportunity. When somebody walks into your shop, it seems like you guys can take the time to explain stuff to them. You You can, you know, kind of try to put them on the right path, you know. And then for guys like me that were more experienced and just want to be like, hey, like, give me your absolute best price on this box of coins. Like, we could do that, and we could do six-figure deals, like, monthly, you know, sort of thing. So you guys kind of being, you know, you guys seem to manage being everything, everything to everyone, you know, all at once, which is which is really impressive. Uh, for me on the coin side, I was always more strictly as a dealer, pretty, pretty wholesale-oriented, you know, and stuff like that. And, um, uh, you know, being out of Chicago, it's, it's – it, it's, I would tip my hat to coin dealers in Chicago. It's a difficult state to, you know, area to operate out of and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, so, uh, uh, ran my business standard numismatics for seven years. Uh, and then kind of the, the big call came and ended up, uh, selling that business and taking the job as president of PCGS. Uh, as you guys all know, PCGS, biggest coin grading company in the world, grade about two and a half million coins a year. And, um, uh, just, amazing opportunity. So went there, uh, 2019, I was 33. Uh, so that was, you know, interesting. We're public publicly traded company at the time. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, you know, had to interview, you know, with, you know, with the board members and stuff like that and, and, and have a, you know, have a lot of long conversations. Um, really, you know, Joe Orlando is the, he was the CEO of collectors universe. Uh, at the time, the guy that hired me can't say enough good things about him as a leader at that company and him taking the shot on me is probably the single, probably the single biggest risk anyone's, uh, biggest shot somebody's kind of taken on me 
um, probably ever will in my life in terms of kind of entrusting me with that role. So, you know, overnight, 2019, I go from having five employees to about 250, uh, about 40 in Shanghai, 10 in Hong Kong, handful in Paris, um, about 600 person company total, Collectors Universe, PSA, as everybody knows, sister company. And it was, uh, it was madness, you know, the, um, yeah, first year, um, was, uh, so yeah. So while you were at PCGS and, uh, y'all grew internationally Mm -hmm. and where was the coolest coin show that you got to visit? Uh, coolest coin show. Uh, so that's definitely different than my favorite coin show. Uh, coolest (laughs) coin show, uh, Hong Kong international show in Hong Kong. Uh, unbelievable, very interesting, all walks of life. Uh, we all know, I mean, you know, our, our hobby skews male and in, in Hong Kong, more female collectors than I've ever seen, Really? uh, more paper money than I've ever seen. Um, a lot of paper money. I yeah. Can, yeah. yeah. And just, just fascinating. I mean, just wall to wall people. Yeah. Watches. Everywhere. Yeah. That was, that was really a treat. Um, I forget the name of the hotel in Hong Kong, but it was a really cool show. Only got to go there once because of COVID. Right. You know, in the little, little under three years I was at PCGS. Um, but yeah, that show favorite show. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually a sucker for Baltimore. Oh, I knew, uh, I knew you were gonna sucker say for that. Baltimore. I knew you were gonna and, say um, that. Loved, yeah, it's my my um, my salad days going out in Baltimore and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, uh, Ryan soft spot. And I, it's funny that Ryan and I we talk, you know, from time to time. We actually I talked to him this morning, but you know, Ryan and I we loved Baltimore. You know, it's the food. I mean, you know, you're just not gonna get better crab. You're not gonna get better crab cakes. Yeah, and um, you know what's funny is that show has the. Um, I mean, I, I love the Baltimore show. I don't want to sing bad about it, but it's also like a day too short. Yeah. So it's like, it's funny because like, it's probably, it was about the tightest, most exhausting framework of any show I would go to. Um, it was just nonstop for three days as opposed to like, you know, spreading it over five days, you know, right. or something with like the that. set up and then um, you get a gap. But yeah, you... no, big, big Baltimore fan. I was, I was joking with Matt before we came on here too, that really any show too, like I love big soft spot. You guys remember the, it still exists, you know, St. Charles. Silver Dollar Expo and stuff like that. Just any show where I can get off an elevator and walk about thirty feet forward, and I'm in a coin show. That's like I'm I'm pretty happy about and that. And when there's a Bass Pro Shop like literally right next door, that's that's pretty cool too. Um, I, I'll never forget. That's funny. Um, the scariest flight I've ever been on in my entire life was flying into that show. Um, the fog, it was as dense as I have ever seen it. I was like, oh, we've got to be in the clouds. And like, okay, guys, we're gonna prepare for landing. I'm like. Prepared for landing, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hold on, I'm like doing the math in my head. You're like, all of a sudden, like all these equations are going on. I'm like, wait a minute now. I open up my, and I never do this. I open it up, I open up the uh, the window, and I'm looking out. I'm like, wait a minute, dude, I don't see anywhere where we're gonna land. And all of a sudden, it went from fog, light, 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 runway, boom, and it just a whole plane just shook, and everyone's shaking, things are popping, flying out of the thing. I mean old ladies are like you know like stuck to the seat and i was like i I think i was just like in shock for like 30 seconds i'm like what in the world just took place there i was like that's gonna be something that i think i'll never forget that that certainly so yeah dude scary super scary i felt it when you said the boom oh dude i mean it was literally just (laughs) like you're like you're like fog 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 no fog oh there's the ground bam and then like literally the plane just bounced and it i mean it was stressful (laughs) <laughs> upon stressful and uh yeah so um i had to sneak that in there yeah. sorry um yeah. so 
I mean, Hong Kong. I kind of had a feeling you're gonna say Hong Kong. Um, a lot of people. I mean, Hong Kong. I mean, the trade, um, the amount of customers, um, the money, money that goes into the there. That goes yeah. in I think there's, there's a lot of youth. You know, when you go international, you know, uh, uh, the hobby starts to skew younger too. Really? Yeah, for sure. Like what, what like age? Group? Decades younger. Really? Uh, I would I would say if you're going average age, you know. PCGS average customer was about 60 on average. And I would say, you know, that show might be, maybe was 45, wow. you know, or something like that. I mean, like noticeably younger, you wow. know, uh, which, which I think too, there's a lot of excitement, right? You know, if you talk about, you know, rare U.S. coins, we're, 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 we're a mature market at this point, right? You know, a lot of this stuff, you know, really, really, really cool six and seven, seven figure coins coming out of the woodwork is a really rare thing in U.S. coins. Right. It's a daily thing in China, right? Yeah. You know, and, and other, other Asian and Southeast Asian countries and stuff. So a lot of excitement there, um, a lot of enthusiasm, you know, every, every dealer, yeah, the dealers skew younger and they skew optimistic yeah you know it's just it's it's great to see there yeah really really enjoyed it did you ever get into the foreign side of that did you ever get into the foreign side of coins yeah i started collecting when i was at when i was at pcgs i started collecting foreign coins yeah actually and um because i was just always uh it was it was too hard as a as a dealer where i own my own business to really put anything away and um it's kind of a joke i would um I would put stuff away. We'd put it in the safety deposit box. Our safety deposit boxes in Chicago are actually in the basement of uh, Hancock Tower. It was really cool. A very like James Bond, you oh, know, cool. feel down there. And um, uh, you know, I, w- I would put good coins away, and invariably, we would you know we'd have a, a big auction bill coming up or a big purchase from from U.S. coins and jewelry, you know, or something like we need that money. Like, hey, we gotta go. We gotta go grab those coins out. You know, I had. Um, the, I don't know if you guys know this coin, but there's a, a fat NGC proof Barber diamond nine yep. that I owned for a couple years that I had put away. That's like just a, mo- it's like a true nine to me, 69 grade. Yep. And, um, you know, some other cool stuff like that. But yeah, w- then when I was PCGS president, I wasn't dealing anymore. I, I started buying some interesting world coins and stuff like that. Yeah. You actually bought a coin. You, you bought an early five from me. Um, I think while you were still president, um, I think it was like a 1807 bust, um, God, I want to say XF40 and PC for like eight, eight grand. Or yeah, something I was like doing that. a lot of that sub. Uh, the US stuff I was buying was kind of the cool early sub 10K, early gold yeah. sort of just stuff where the, like the value would always kind of scream to me. Stuff you know, sort I of thing. still think is perfectly. Yeah, I, and totally. It's, you know, the levels are there. Yeah. I mean, the rarity value is there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sweet spot for customers. Well, right. it's a good sweet spot. I mean, we spot. always have customers for that. It's a good sweet spot. And if the coins are choice, you know, I mean, they're choice for the grade. I mean, Obviously, you would love to have them stickered, but the sticker brings such a huge premium now. But there's there's still nice coins out there unstickered. You know, they're still they still have a good look to them. You know, yeah. still and, a good appearance. And we'll and, talk about it when we talk about video games too. But I'm always I always think about what what is the story that this collectible tells, exactly. right? And I think yeah, if you have an 1807.5, the story of like a nice XF. Is, is probably more compelling as a story than yeah. a mid-state example. No doubt, especially a five or something that you know yeah. that just went yeah. to one person, yeah. got put back. Yeah, it was in somebody's cabinet the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. No, this coin was like bought, you know, beer was bought with it, food was bought with it, housing was Remarkable. bought with it. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, I think you're right. That's a pretty cool deal. So, okay, so you're PCGS president. I mean, to me, the pinnacle. I mean, I don't think, you know, there's a better, you know, when you're talking about um, a grading service that uh, to me is the most popular grading service. Um, and then you're the CEO of it. Um, when I got the news myself and I had heard grumblings, 
and then all of a sudden it was official. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't text you at the time because I figured you were, you know, bombarded, so I wasn't gonna mess with you then. Um, I read the, um, I read some messages that had confirmed it, and I was like, wow, you know. So I think I said you text. I said super proud, you know, yeah. super proud, mm-hmm. um, you know. Big time, Papa. Yeah. you know, well, I mean, just because, I mean, here you go. I mean, you and I were looking at coins, you know, and I think you were buying, you know, sub $2,500 coins on yeah. a Friday. We were, we were at a bar show. in Baltimore on a Thursday night, there you, you know, go. or something. Yeah. Drinking yeah. Drinking beer and yeah. goofing off, right? Mm-hmm. And just talking about God knows what. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's been a gap where, you know, you and I hadn't seen each other and then standard. And then, you know, I would, it was more like I'd send you a box than, mm-hmm. you know, we would do face-to-face yeah. business, right? And I actually, I had somebody actually, I would pull the coins and then I had somebody dealing with Evan at that time. Sure. So, you know, you and I never really got on par unless there was one certain coin that I thought maybe needed, you know, you and I to to talk about. Um, But... Which, I mean, that tells you about the way you guys are capable of doing business and the way I like to do business is that we did millions of dollars of business with hardly talking to each other, you know, kind of remarkable. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, you know, and and again, that's a good testament to having good employees, you know, spending the right amount of time with them to teach them the right and wrong ways to do things. Um, That's something that we preach on this podcast. That's something that we will continue to preach guys. So stay tuned as we continue to develop on how to take your employee and turn him into an absolute animal. Okay. So that's something that we will continue to do. Um, I think we do a really good job here. Um, I, I don't want to, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving it the old attaboy, but I, I think, you know, when we grow from X amount of employees to, you know, almost triple that amount of employees and, you know, they all, they all enrich their lives. They, they do better. They, they, they buy houses. They may, they have families. They're, they're progressing in life. They're happy. You know, there's no better employee than a happy employee, right? It just, it just makes life easier, Right. It makes you feel good that that they're working hard for you. You're working hard for them. It's a it's a give take relationship, and you know. Yeah, no, totally. Um, you know, the seven years I ran Standard Numismatics, easily the the thing that I look back at that I wish I would have done better is imparted more to the couple key guys, you know, on the team. And it's just it's it's one of those things. You're always in the moment. You're busy. You need to stop and make time and say, hey, you know, this is this is this is why we're doing it this way. You know, this is this is why we're doing X, Y, and Z. You know, sort of stuff like that. Uh, super critical. It's something I, I'm you know focused a lot more on at PCGS, of course. And yeah, when you go from, you know, you have go from having five employees, you're like, okay, I can I can kind of juggle all the things I need to juggle. And then you go to 200, 250, you're like, no, no, no. Like I I need, <laughs> need some help. key yeah. core people that were aligned with mentally in the same headspace, in the same thought space, and are gonna you know um, you know be able to go out and kind of execute. You know. And it's, it's super, super important. And yeah, it all, it all makes the math work better too. You know, like you said, yeah. Last thing I want to get into before we jump into standard gaming, which dude's got me super pumped. Um, you brought these games in here, dude. And like, I just want to grab the, the closest one to me, dude. It's like, what? Like when I put this in my hand, so like, I didn't really realize it until I have it in my hand. So now that I have this in my hand, I'm like, whoa, dude. This is uh, not only nostalgic, but, um, you know, brings back memories of, you know, old friends that I had, you know, uh, homes and like things that I went to or, you know, places that I played these games and like cheat codes and all kinds of other things that just, you know, bring a bunch of, uh, you know, 
nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I love it, yeah. man. I think it's freaking sweet. And I just, you know, to have um, bought a bunch of them, I think it's cool. And I can't wait for you to be able to tell me more. But there's one thing I wanted to touch on real quick. And talk about it at your at your comfort zone. But the exit to PCGS, right? So some people look at that as like, wow, that's the pinnacle of any job in numismatics um, is to run the largest grading company. Sure. I mean, you're also known for your eye, right? So now you get a job where, you know, you're basically, you know, you're the CEO. I mean, um, and you step away. Can you give us a little bit of insight about how that went down and – you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who I've talked to that just I don't think they know the answer because they've never asked. So sure. maybe maybe you can give us a tidbit on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I uh, I took the job uh, 2019, beginning of 2019. And um, I was I was a trader my whole life. Right. Didn't have a ton of experience with uh, with retail, with with, you know, forward facing, you know, customer experience and stuff like that get thrown into this job. And the, the best analogy that I always like to use, use a lot of sports analogies when you're at Collector's Universe and stuff is it really kind of felt like I went from uh, playing in the NBA every day to being the head referee. And you go to this kind of scenario where, you know, if you think about it, if you're a grading service, right, everybody submits their coins for grading. And, you know, if you polled the audience at any given time, you ask a hundred random people, is PCGS too loose or is PCGS too tight? If you include dealers, if you include collectors, old collectors, new collectors, you're going to be like 50-50 down the line at all times, right? Yeah. Some people are yelling, oh, you guys aren't doing it right this way. You guys aren't doing it right that way. And so, yeah, so I really just kind of felt like I was always kind of the head referee. And um, and it was it was exhausting, you know? Yeah. And to kind of take you quick through the timeline, you know, I started in 2019. And, uh, you know, everybody, I think, kind of out of the gate, new role. There's not a lot of turnover in that position. The guy before me was there for 10 years, Right. And everybody, I think, kind of wants to wants to take a shot, right? Everybody wants to, <laughs> hey, this was my deal, but this should be my, you know, if I, you know, because you know, dealers they they sometimes will get you know discounted submission rates, right. or you know, some say, oh, well, you know, there's this there's this coin that was, you know, we tried to get it in a proof holder ten years ago, and they were wrong, and we're right, and you know, so you kind of go through this almost this six months to a year, kind of getting your sea legs. And so I'm finally starting to feel good. Yeah, yeah, you know, taking shots left and right. And uh, (laughs) and and, you know, we do, um, you know, we do our second. So my second annual strategic planning session, feeling great about everything, and COVID. Yeah. And so you know, I talk about, I kind of like to talk about COVID in two parts, right? And and you know, all of all of COVID is awful, but everybody in in the collectibles industry, hobby, can really kind of kind of divide. COVID into two parts, which was we all, everybody kind of thinks the world is going to end. We don't know what's going to happen. People are laying people off. Everything's closed to on a dime as busy as everyone in collectibles has ever been. Right. And so, yeah. And so, you know, I remember being, you know, helping, uh, you know, Orange County closed down. They did this kind of back and forth thing. They closed down and they said, oh, maybe we're not closed. And then they, then they fully closed, you know, for two weeks. And, you know, so we go from, you know, uh, you know, literally helping, you know, fill up the vaults like, hey, we're, we're like, we're closing these doors and we don't know when we're going to open them again, right. you know, with COVID. It's crazy, right? And so we, you know, we go through that to then six months later, uh, we're, is, I mean, just, you know, it's like a tidal wave, right? You know, all the water goes out 
It's quiet. It's eerily quiet. You know, the birds have all left. And then you just get hit with this 60-foot tidal wave of, of submissions and new customers. PSA, obviously, at that point, just went oh, absolutely orbital, right? Oh. You know, and, uh, you know, they went, they're, they're in order of magnitude larger. They're three or four times larger than they were just even like five years ago. Right. And so you kind of get, get through all of that. And then uh, our company grew so much. Like I said, we were publicly traded. Started to get a lot of interest from private equity groups, from investors and stuff like that. We end up getting taken private uh, by a really great group, Nat Turner, uh, Dan Sunheim, uh, Steve Cohen, some other, other guys, really great people. Uh, we get taken private. And uh, I mean, I'm just like, it, it was like uh, it was like you finished uh, you know a 10k and then and then like a new guy comes in and is like all right guys like the marathon starts today Let's you know or something up. and I'm yeah. like man like I need to hit the showers so <laughs> like really great guy like they they great guys there Nat Turner new CEO you know they brought I think a lot of the right people in and stuff headed in the right direction and I just looked at it as as I was exhausted you know they wanted everybody to kind of do longer term commitments another kind of big just kind of fact of the matter is right is that company in the last five years has transitioned from being a probably a a, a coin company. Collectors Universe was more than fifty percent coins to being a sports card company, yeah. and now being kind of a broader collectibles company. Right. And uh, a lot of what they wanted me uh, to do was, you know, really kind of long term thing. And I'm like, guys, I just, I, you know, my hairline has gone from here to here in like under three years. And if I commit to like five more years, I'm just like. I'll just be a skeleton. You know, there won't be anything left. So super, super amicable. And I didn't have anything lined up and, uh, you know, just, just took some time off and, and it ended up leading to, you know, standardgaming.com. you know? Um, but yeah, that's the, the whole story there. So back to COVID, what were some of the challenges that y'all yeah. ran into? Sure. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was a lot. Uh, I, I touched on it before. I mean, there was just so much uncertainty you know, out of the gate, right? So uh, Orange County shuts down. And right, if you think about it, like we're a, you know, we're holding, I think at the time, $75 million in, in customer product, right? And and you have this sort of situation where, you know, banks need to stay open, right? You know, well, what about uh, a certification service that, you know, somebody needs to sell something to keep their shop open, keep their employees on payroll, um, you know, sell something that, you know, they're having a hardship because of COVID. They need to sell their coins that they send in for grading to pay a medical bill, you know, or something like that. So, uh, you know, we had this urgent need to stay open for our customer base. And at the same time, this dual mandate of doing right by our employees. Sure. And it, as you guys recall, there was so much uncertainty. You remember the beginning of COVID? We, we all thankfully incorrectly thought that COVID sat on surfaces, for a really long time. I don't know if you guys kind of remember yeah. that. It was like, you know, we we're like, you know, it, it, you know, if one grader has has COVID and he puts the coin in the box, is he going to then come over, you know, the next guy takes it out of the box and he has COVID or something. And thankfully that's just not really how, you know, COVID works. But, you know, we put... And we found out it didn't spread that way. Yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it didn't spread that way, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, you know. Surface. And so we uh, ultimately, you know, ton of safety protocols. Or so we were told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we, had, we had a ton of safety protocols. We actually switched to, uh, you know, uh, night shift, uh, you know, multiple shifts in terms of sealing and stuff like that, right? Because you're trying to seal the same number of coins and sports cards into holders, uh, but you need to spread out. We were already we were already growing at a good clip up to that point, so we're already a little tight on space. Sure, you know, leading up to that. Uh, thankfully, uh, uh, another blessing of, of COVID 
you know, a, there's some silver linings in COVID, right? Obviously, we talk about that in collectibles. And our, our neighboring, we were in a building that was, I think, three tenants. And one of the, the biggest neighboring tenant left. They're like, we're just going to go to work from home. So they were, Collector's Universe was able to double their footprint Soon as a result. Space. Yeah, and they're even even larger now. And so that was that was really, uh, you know, I guess a positive benefit. Um, you know, lots of backlogs just, and then you get into a, a big thing that occurred that's still occurring is uh, your supply chain. You know, you can say, oh, you know, I, I need to make my holders in, in America. Well, we were making our holders in America. I believe they still do at, at PCGS, but... The people don't think about this sort of stuff. You know, the, the resin that goes into a holder, right, that gets melted down to stamp the plastic, that stuff isn't made in America. Not, n- nowhere in America. You know, nobody has, nobody has plastic that, you know, a womb to tomb was made in America, you know, sort of thing. So you start to get in all these supply chain snarls. A really big thing we did at PCGS when I was there was we added the NFC chip into the holder okay. so you can tap your phone that became a big you know that was awesome. and, and that is that is i think that's probably the single best thing i did at pcgs in terms of a long-term anti-counterfeiting yeah. you know thing it's huge huge in china and uh i think that uh but that you know that chip is very similar to this you know you hear about all these chip shortages right yeah I mean, they're it's 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 basically the same thing you really? know so yeah so you have all these issues there you know we just integrated this into our product we roll out the red carpet for it we say it's in every product, and then it was very difficult. We were able to, you know, secure enough chips and stuff like that. But that was that was, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just a handful. You what know, a, what a great feature that yeah. that uh, that that chip is. Yeah, it's fantastic. Super cool. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot in the future that can be done with it in terms of, um, you know, uh, customer, you know, collector interaction with the, you know, you tap it on there. And, uh, you know, there's a video about the coin start playing. Do you get, you know, better pricing information? Sure. You know, sort of stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think we have customers that use that. I like the yeah. store. I, I was thinking like more of like an inventory component to where, you, you know, could do that. Like oh, RFID, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, and be able to, to run a box of inventory absolutely. just by scanning. Yeah. yeah. Right you know, through it. The yeah. area. Yeah. Possibilities yeah. are endless with that technology. Yeah. You know? So cool. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah, how about how about with you guys? Did you guys? I mean, what was what was COVID like with you guys? What were the kind of the biggest challenges well, and stuff like that? I I can tell you that our store traffic slowed down, right? Well, store we traffic had, slowed. We right. had to, yeah. <clears throat> but we were, we were put on a, a red alert. Yeah. So, but the bullion. Well, well, basically we got shut late. down. Yeah, we did. Well, we never stopped working though, <laughs> and, and and that's also like a testament, real like a shout out to our employees. I mean. Our employees, uh, they stood tall. Yeah, we made an option, but everyone wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to be yeah. there. Nobody yeah. sat at home. Not one yeah. person. Nope. Not, not not a single soul sat on their hands. They all took it. They all came to work. And, you know, like Matt was saying. Yeah, we, we turned our half of our, our showroom to shipping because we had so many orders well, we, well, of bullion. Because we gravitated. So we basically we pivoted to, to doing bullion on eBay. Yeah. Um, I got a phone call from a distributor and said, hey, you know, I think Silver had, this was 3-18-2020. Um, silver was at $12, uh, about to break 11 And he said, do you want to buy 100,000 ounces worth of 10-ounce bars at X? I said, Sh-, I, you know, I went upstairs and I told, talked to Kenny. I said, I've got to buy this position. He yeah. said, yeah. yeah. I mean, he said, offer him this. And, you know, I was like, 
okay. <laughs> so, you know, I offered him that and, you know, like I think somehow we got the deal done anyway. But so, um, so all of a sudden we've got, you know, this 18 wheeler truck sitting outside sure. of yeah. all these 10 yeah. ounce bars. Now, by the time the 10 ounce bars got there, silver was 15. We were completely unhedged. We were, we, we've never hedged, you know, the company mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we're naked as mm-hmm. could be. And, um, like Matt said, I mean, our whole showroom was blue PCGS boxes filled with eBay orders and we were selling the hell out of 10 ounce bars and it was so much fun yeah. and everybody in our group banded together yeah. and, and honestly it changed the scope of our business because bullion, we did it, but we weren't doing it wholesale. We weren't taking positions. We weren't trading positions. We weren't, uh, we weren't actively seeking wholesale partnerships, you know, outside of, you know, the city. We yeah. took care of a lot of the city's production, yeah. mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's a it's a whole nother ball. It sounded like exactly like the analogy I used earlier of you know that tidal wave right before the tsunami. Yep. All the water comes out. There's exactly. all the uncertainty. Hey, what's going on? And then you just get that tidal wave. You know. Well, yeah. And then that's where that leadership. You know, where you know your leadership. You 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 stayed there. You weathered the storm. You know, you fought through it. You know, you you found new inventive ways to take care of things. Sure. Um, new inventive ways to to grade coins, get things processed. Um, you, know, you listen to all the complaining and listen to all this and, and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but still make progress. Same thing we did. You know, we had great leader, great leadership. Um, you know, we were here every day. We didn't, there was no days off. Um, yeah. And we did, we did, you know, one of the biggest things that I spearheaded at PCGS2 during COVID was the, I don't know if you guys remember the replacement coin show program. So every time a major show got canceled, this one by one, these shows were getting canceled. We would do a replacement show in Vegas. It was basically kind of the only place in America you could have a you could have a coin show, and that yeah. was, you know, masks, separate eating area, you know, all these different sort of regulations and stuff. But so you know, sixty days out, Baltimore would get canceled. So we say, okay, guys, you know, hey, okay, okay, coin market, we're gonna put this on the books. We'll be there. There'll be a place if you want to come trade, if you feel comfortable with it. Yep, I remember. And cool. and really kind of you know for the for those especially those dealers too that rely really rely on you guys know some people have more of a more of a uh, online presence, some people more shows, and uh, you know you just cash flow. Yeah, yeah. You know you you are regardless of what yeah, it is, it's you're, you're kind of greasing the skids a little bit at that point and just kind of doing doing the best you can. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um. So yeah. yeah so. You know, you so you were at PCGS. Um, you got to see all sorts of coins. Oh yeah. What was your favorite? Sure. Coin. Yeah. What was um, it? That's a good one. Uh, so I would probably have to say uh, probably two coins. So first off, my my personal always longtime favorite coin, eighteen oh four proof ten. Yeah. Monster coin. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, it's it's you know it's it's a it's a proof ten in deep cam from 1804. I mean I mean it's it's weird to describe it like re- rephrase it that way, but they, I think there's a tattoo floating around somewhere. Yeah, that coin. yeah. There's a, there's a guy that we know that has an amazing 1804 proof. If you're listening right now, send us a picture of your. Forearm. I wasn't going to say the we name. See your. I, we can run that again if we need to. If you're the guy. Three, two, one. If you're the guy with the proof, yeah, we 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 know somebody. There's somebody in the market with an 1804 proof 10 are. tattoo. If you're the person, we're not going to say your name, but please, like, send us the picture of your of your forearm. We, yeah, we'll we adore. Send us a tattoo. photo. We'll send you a gift. Yeah, there you uh, go. Free exactly. Gift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so 1804 proof 10. Uh, PCGS uh, in 2021 handled the Bob Simpson coin, which is which is the best one. I think it's 65 plus deep cam. 
it's just, it's a moose. I yeah. mean, it, it's unbelievable. And to me, it's compelling. You know, there's how many, you know, a dozen, 15, 1804 There's, you know, four, it's like, it's like an 1804 but made out of gold yeah. and proof. And there's less of them. It's like, deep to cam. me, it's just, it's the coin, it's you know, deep and, uh, it's always been my favorite coin. And then the other one obviously is 1933 20, yeah. uh, to come through and just kind of the, you know, the story behind that and stuff like that is just, um, was remarkable uh, to be to be a part of that my, and stuff like that. Yeah. My question about that coin was, okay, so I mean the coin brought almost twenty million. How did you did y'all grade that coin on site? Did you have to go off site? Like, can you can you without spilling the beans? Can you give us any you know like where was that coin graded? Um, yeah, so I can tell actually that there's there's kind of two stories. There's there's how it got graded and. Then also, uh, you know, kind of then there, there's how we assign the grade and then there's kind of how we encapsulated it, two separate stories, right? So uh, the coin auctioned in 2003 previously, I believe. Uh, at that time, uh, David Hall, John Danruther, uh, I believe a couple other guys went and saw it. Sotheby's at the time, they had no incentive to really holder of the coin encapsulate it right of course so those guys went they viewed the the coin in person they assigned the grade 65 uh to the coin which is it's like you look at it and you're like this is a 65 you know I mean, it's a very clear you know it's nice. it's, it's really nice really for jimmy. the grade you yeah. know sort of thing but i've seen it it's jimmy yeah, yeah, yeah it's very jimmy yeah and so uh you know in that auction catalog at that time it said you know these four gentlemen came out for pcgs and assigned this grade to it the coin remained in its uh you know in its uh lucite you know, holder. Okay. And, um, then it came up for auction again. And I happened to be, I'm from Ohio, happened to be Ohio visiting some family a couple of years prior Sotheby's. Uh, so Sotheby's, you know, auctioned it 20 years ago and then they got it again. And Sotheby's a couple of years prior had a pretty big Morgan dollar deal, uh, that they did. I flew there and viewed the sale, bought some stuff. Um, got to know, you know, was, was friendly with a couple of people at Sotheby's. And so they announced that they got this. I was in Ohio. I emailed, I literally like replied all to a chain about my invoice from like 2018. It was like, Hey guys, I don't know if you guys remember me. I was like one of the younger guys viewing the sale. I'm now the president of PCGS. We would love to grade this coin. I will be there tomorrow. Like I'm in, I'm in Ohio right now. Like I'll take a flight to New York. They replied back, talked to him on the phone for 20 minutes, and they were like, yeah, come out. So the next morning, flew to New York, viewed it in person, and basically uh, effectively just confirmed the grade at that point. So then, you know, in the auction catalog, the way it was listed, it was, you know, 1933-20. And then, you know, in the provenance and description and stuff, it's, you know, initially confirmed by David Hall and then, you know, reconfirmed by PCGS President Brett Charville. So auction sales brings... Like nineteen million 19, and some change, yeah. unbelievable. Uh, uh, really good guy bought it. A uh, guy who has a, just an unbelievable collection of saints. Now that's obviously the, the uh, you know the piece de resistance of that you know collection. Of course. And uh, so yeah, then then actually getting it holdered. So uh, the customer, the guy that won it, uh, does a lot of business um, with Ian Russell. Great collections, as you guys know. Love Ian. Shout yeah. out to Ian. Yeah. And, uh, we love so, you, Ian. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Ian, Ian's customer, uh, you know, the gentleman that won it, uh, is, does a lot of business with Ian. Started talking with Ian about how we could get it graded and the, the logistics and the insurance and the, 
you know, you know, Brinksing and everything. It was it was quite a production. Ultimately, the coin uh, was still in possession of at Sotheby's for a few months after it was sold. The owner paid for it, had it um, shipped by armored carrier to Ian's facility, and then I went up and picked it up and. Um, uh, at, you know, Ian's, you know, bank vault and stuff like that. Great collections is bank vault and stuff like a whole, you know, like two car security team sort of stuff. <laughs> Definitely. It was like very the Italian job. Yeah. Very James Bond <laughs> moment. Like I'm in the back of an SUV, um, you know, with like a, like Bulletproof a little, yeah, like little, little tiny, um, you know, suitcase with exactly, you know, one coin in it, you know, waiting for like a little red dot to appear on my forehead or something, you know? And, uh, so we, we took it, we took it to the office, uh, which is only, you know, a few miles from, from Ian's bank and in their office and stuff in their facility, we took it to the office, uh, uh, I mean, you know, you use the term walk through for a fast. I mean, we, we literally walked it through, right? right? You know, I was there kind of, um, you know, every step of the way. Um, we did let, you know, I, I believe every grader in the room that wanted to look. We have an all-grade, PCGS has an all-grade thing on big coins that come in. Everybody gets a chance to grade it. Easy consensus, uh, 65. If I recall, there was some um, conversation about 65-plusing it. It was, you know, nice for the grade and stuff. Ultimately, we 65 it. Uh, we get it in PCGS plastic. We do 20 minutes of photos with it, and uh, and and back to the vault. Probably in about two hours round trip. Yeah, really, really cool story. And then, um, and then just it's such an excellent story for numismatics and and just yeah, just fantastic. Well, know, it just goes to show you, you know, rare coins. You know, you know one thing Kenny says, senior Kenny senior always says is that you know nice coins always sell. You know, and then obviously rare coins, you know, rare coins, if you buy the right coins, they bring good money, you know, and you've got to, that's the, that's the whole thing we going back to earlier about getting with somebody that you can help build a set with somebody that you're matching wits with, you know, that you trust that's like, Hey, this is a nice coin. You should put this coin back, not just selling you something to sell it or buying it off of a picture or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you had the opportunity locally to buy, go to that coin shop and buy, Yeah. right? Buy mm -hmm. through him, buy with him, Absolutely. you know, ask, bounce things off of him. If you see a coin in auction, let him go view it for you or, you know, you know, build that relationship. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Big shout out to Ian. Um, big fan of great collections. Yeah, um, great guy. Uh, yeah, I've done a ton of business with Ian and uh, can't say enough good things about him. Really? Yeah, me too. I just always had good experience. Um, Ian has been, um, you know, Ian is probably pretty easiest guy to work with. Um, One of the hardest working people. Um, no, he's up early, yeah, dude. Yeah, he, I don't know when he sleeps. Yeah, yeah he's up yeah, early. Yeah, yeah it's I impressive. Get, I get some early morning texts that are early for me, and he's two hours. Uh, yeah. He's two yeah. hours behind. Yeah. So, um, well, cool. Well, I think we've covered the PCGS thing. So thank you guys for tuning in to the CoinShopPodcast.com. My brother, Matt, Brett Charville. Appreciate it, Kenny guys. Kenny Duncan Jr. We're signing off. Thank you guys so much for listening. We had an amazing show today. Um, we had Brett Charville um, here live in studio to talk about his time at president as president of PCGS, how he navigated through COVID, some of the coolest coins that he handled as uh, as president, and you know just overall good time just going over his career, his storied career in numismatics, and what led him to what will be part two of our show. So stay tuned for part two. 
You've been listening to the Coin Shop Podcast with your host, Kenny and Matthew Duncan. For more information, please check out uscoinsandjewelry.com. And please join us again soon for another edition of the Coin Shop Podcast.